Brace yourselves. Winter is coming. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, our good buddies over at Manscaped will help you out with the ultimate gift, and they're here to change men's grooming game completely. You can get 20% off and free your... Free, your, blah, 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 blah. free worldwide shipping if you use code at manscaped.com. <laughs> We're leaving this in. Leaving this, is, in. this is the read. We're not redoing you know, this bad boy. This is a, too good. <laughs> um... With Manscaped, you get the performance package. It's perfect gift for the holiday season and perfect for, like we said last week, November. You, you got to keep it nice and clean wherever it is. Make sure it's nice and trim while you're raising money for charity. And to go off of that, they give you the Lawnmower 4.0. Trimmer was waterproof with advanced skin safe technology with reduced nicks and cuts and even has a light. So let's say, for example, your power goes out, but you still got to keep yourself groomed. You're, 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 you're fine. You're perfect. Peachy clean. Next up is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Uh, thank God I haven't gotten to that stage in my life yet. <laughs> uh, it helps you get those nasty weeds and delicate holes. And <laughs> this product also has proprietary skin tape technology as well to help out keep everything nice and safe and don't have to worry about anything breaking. That's the theme, Endo. Yeah. Keep everything nice and safe. You don't need to be nervous when you're taking care of stuff like this. Is that especially when you have to go deal with your crop reserve area. Uh, you got the deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing with the crop, revi crop reviver ball toner to keep your boys fresh at all times. Uh, they're pretty fresh right now. Uh, and also the crop, <laughs> the crop mop ball wipes, which are also for you. If you have smelly feet, this is actually pretty cool. If you have smelly feet like I do, because I play hockey a lot, you can help you out with the foot dust or foot deodorant to make fight orders. Uh, make, that the fight order orders. I can't read. I really can't read. <laughs> I need. I need better. <laughs> I need to go to a speech therapist. <laughs> the foot deodorant to make the fight orders of the dirtiest feet. You want a good smell good anywhere. You got the refined cologne by Manscape as well, which is a clean, fresh scent designed for refined gentlemen. Top of everything, they even have the travel bag in there as well. And they even throw in the anti-chief boxer brief to hold everything together. So, what are you waiting for? Go over to manscaped.com, use promo code 2Geek, get 20% off, and free worldwide shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we're going to thank you, and we're going to thank Manscaped for helping support the podcast. As you may have heard at the end of the last show... It's that time of year again. The Franchise Hockey Manager Series has returned for the 2021-2022 season with plenty of new additions to the deepest, most authentic hockey strategy gaming experience that you can find. Choose one of a dozen leagues, or one of dozens, if anything. It's not just a dozen, it's dozens of leagues around the world. Select a team to guide to glory, including... A chance at the ultimate prize, because FHM, of course, is licensed by the NHL, allowing you to take the reins of your favorite franchise to capture the Stanley Cup, take control of a national team and try for international supremacy, choose a historical game where you can begin in any year in NHL history dating back to 1917, or if you'd like, you can make your own custom league as well. However you choose to play, you have control of your team and can oversee finances, select strategies, hire your staff, make trades, sign free agents, and draft the newest generation of stars as you try to build a championship team and then make it into a dynasty. All new for FHM 8. New financial options, new on-ice decisions. Release the Kraken, everybody. You can draft your own version of the Seattle Kraken or enter the league with their real-life lineup. There's more in-game feedback that can directly alter players' attributes and future tactics. There's a new rumor mill feature. 
that is also out there as well. Revamped scouting reports, proper youth systems for European teams as well, which is a big thing for me. Adjustable trade difficulties and a whole lot more. Head over to OOTPdevelopments.com and use code TUGI24FHM at checkout for 10% off your order. That's code TUGI24FHM8 at OOTPdevelopments.com for 10% off. And with that, hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Tukey Steak Podcast. I am, of course, the namesake of this series, Gigantic Ego 24 himself, alongside one Mr. Endo Mills. We're bringing it back to the early days of October, as unfortunately, Sin is under the weather. It's that time of year, and I can't help but think this is going to happen uh, a couple yeah. <laughs> times throughout the winter, but Endo is here. Endo, I, I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it. I, it, it's at the point where I look out the window in the morning and everything's completely frosted over, and it's like, oh god, we're almost in the middle of November now. It is winter. It's cold season, potentially flu season, and it's going to be a disaster. But uh, aside from me sharing my my fears of the fact that it's it's almost the end of the year already. How are you doing on this fine Thursday? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I was, I've had a very boring day. Uh, streamed a little bit. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I did post a few rants that I had about current state of NHL and content creation in general. Moral of the story is if you're a small guy or, and you're looking to branch out, do it now because it's going to be a lot harder for you to do it when you're bigger of a channel. And yeah, just, just some small advice from another small streamer. <laughs> I couldn't hold that. <laughs> I tried to fight it off. I could just feel it's like, oh, God, the water went down the wrong way. Can I hold off this cough? I want to talk. Nope. Nope. That's where we're at today, everybody. It's going to be that type of show. All I heard on my Although end one of was, these... like a, was like a, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, one of these days on the show, we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll have to get into like the... The, the, the minutia of Twitch and what it's like from, I guess, really all of our perspectives yeah. as people that do stream on Twitch, right? Because, you know, I think we can all provide kind of that unique perspective where, for me, it's like, okay, I started on YouTube and then went to Twitch, so Twitch was completely different for me. Sin did the same thing, and I, I love him. That's why he's a co-host on the show, but he and I both know, like, okay, we, we did different things and had different consistency levels, so now it's almost like he's given it a, another go on Twitch and navigating the waters again, and your experience has kind of just been like, hey, I'm doing this. Yeah. I don't really have, like, the YouTube following to bank on. So I think it's interesting. I mean, again, that no one's uh, no one's journey on, on YouTube or Twitch is the same, that's for sure. Uh, that said, everybody, again, without Sin being here, and uh, with some of the really lack of topics that we have, Endo and I are going to get right into it. Uh, no viewer questions today. We'll save those uh, for when Sin is back, mainly because, uh, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, it was an interesting week as it is. But two quick things to note before we kind of jump straight into the day-by-day -day, uh, of what's gone on over the past few days. First and foremost, the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to retire Rick Nash's number 61. He'll be the first player in team history to have his number retired. He is still the team's all-time leader in goals and points. I could sit here for the next two hours and talk about my love of Rick Nash. Uh, this is awesome. And it, it's, again, March 5th is when his 
uh, numbers being retired in a game against the Boston Bruins. So I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm really happy for Rick Nash. I mean, he's one of those guys too where, I mean, he was close, right? He was close to, uh, you know, to, to winning a cup once upon a time with the New York Rangers. Came to the Bruins kind of at the end, had injuries kind of derail him, but for how good he was in Columbus for such a long time. It's it's a shame, obviously, right, that at the time the Blue Jackets had such a little success and they were still really trying to, to figure things out, but here's this superstar, and he almost wasn't treated like a superstar. He was treated like a dangerous threat, but he, I don't feel like got the respect he deserved and when he was at his peak because he was just so ridiculously good. Yeah, I feel like um, now that you look back at his career and everything he's done for Columbus... Uh, I think he played for Boston for a little bit too, right? Yeah, since we're here, he, yeah, his last seasons were with Boston and with the, which is weird, <laughs> very weird. But was it? It was a dream come true. Like that was one of the things for me. Sorry to cut you off, but it's like growing up, like oh, who did I like? Jerome McGinley. He ended up on the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Who did I like? Rick Nash. He ended up on the Bruins <laughs> at the end of his career. Like there was just really weird times for the Bruins in the uh, the mid 2010s with that. Yeah, they were a dynamo for sure. They were definitely going for it and. Still are now. Uh, hats off to the organization because they've been class acts with on the ice and off the ice activities. Uh, as I was saying before, he how, what's it, what exactly was I saying? I think I lost track. I'll come back <laughs> to it later. Fair enough. This is already one of my favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, are they gonna retire uh, Nasher's name uh, on the uh, on the banner as well, just on the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if Nash is not there to help raise the banner, then are they really doing it right for the Blue Jackets? That's the real question. I think it's really funny that they just met like during the recent draft. Like Nash has been using like right. he's been using the, the namesake for like how long, and they just finally mm-hmm. met. <laughs> yeah, I mean, interesting timing on that for sure. Right. Uh, and I mean, it's a horrible segue, but in terms of interesting timing as well, uh, Nathan McKinnon Oof. announced as being out for three weeks with a lower body injury. Um, you know, the Avs haven't played over the past couple of days, so there was no real way to kind of fit this into uh, a natural flow of conversation. But it's been a little bit rough for the Avalanche in terms of injuries in the early stages of this season. And you look at the Avs right now in terms of points percentage in that central division, it's, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, you have... St. Louis, uh, Minnesota, and Winnipeg all with, or I mean, St. Louis and Minnesota are all over, uh, you know, I mean, God, let's just run it down. St. Louis had a .773, which is gross. Minnesota's at a .75, which means, again, they're taking, uh, you know, points three out of four times. Uh, the Jets, though, looking good. Even Nashville, though, has uh, an above 500 point percentage so far, which is kind of the point of what I wanted to get to there, because Colorado's at a .45. So... It you know I, like Colorado three games at hand on Nashville, but how much ground are they going to be able to make up? Basically, I could see Colorado as you get towards game forty and beyond, they might have to make up a little bit of ground. I'm sure they'll be able to do it. They're a great team, but it has not exactly been the the high flying start with nine points through ten games so far that people would have expected from them. Yeah, completely. I think the one issue that they're probably running into now is they can they can play catch up, but how much can they catch up per se? They're, they're, they have so many players out right now. Makar, the Chushkin, uh, uh, Francuzo's as well, and then Matthew's out as well for 
I forgot that Francis was on the the LTIR, so that's even longer. Yeah, and, he's had injury troubles too. Yeah. Exactly. And McKinnon's out, and it just it, it it like they're gonna be able to come back. But if you go far too far back at the beginning of the season, can you really make it up? Like that's when you're gonna be able to find out. Are you gonna have a St. Louis Blue situation where like a team from like the bottom at like New Year's Day goes and qualifies for the playoffs and wins the cup? That's like yeah. Hey, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. We, right. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. This is my karma. Yeah. No. This is my karma to you. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I guess I deserve it after uh, after some of the ribbing uh, that I've uh, dished out in in the Leafs fans' directions. You know, just a little so, bit. Just a tiny yeah. bit. Uh, so we'll move into kind of talking about the day by day that happened. Of course, our last show was on Monday, and as uh, so we get to some of the teams, we get to some of the other talking points as well because there are some big talking points to get to. Uh, but I want to start off this past Monday. The Rangers beat the Panthers four to three. It was the Panthers' first regulation loss on the year. I will continue to mention that Chris Kreider has had an unbelievable start to this season. He has nine goals. Uh, in the Rangers' 13 games so far, at least to that point. Uh, there was... Did you see the Keandre Miller goal? Uh, where he just went through and did a... Just end-to-end, <laughs> just bull-rushing his way to the goal. Like, my God, that was so sick. And it, it kind of brings me again... I said as much on Twitter uh, this morning that... I was thinking more about the Connor McDavid goal in the aftermath of our, our conversation on the last show... It really is just that I have such high expectations for Connor McDavid because there have been some great goals this year that I've had, I guess, more like visceral reactions to. Yeah. The Marner goal against Vegas, which I'll continue to point out. This goal was unreal. There's another goal as well coming up that we'll talk about soon. Even Adam Fox like roofed a backhand from the slot in this game that was just awesome. So uh, the Rangers, really inconsistent so far this year. Florida Panthers have had a bit of a rough week that we'll get to, but it's interesting, right, that we we kind of talked about on the last show as well some of the struggles for some of the young talent on the Rangers. But then on the flip side, you get moments like this, and people are like, well, are you wrong? Say that you're wrong. So I, I can't wait to kind of see how the season plays out for the Rangers. Yeah, the way I see it is, would you rather consistency or a flash of brilliance? Because that, that flash of brilliance shows that they have the ability to play at that level. But it also means that there's some inconsistency there. I would rather have someone who's consistently like a medium or average player who's still there to make up the make up the points and make up the activity, than have mm-hmm. someone on there who shows up occasionally or is like on the score sheet once every like eighth game or every fifth game or sixth game. That's what I personally want if I'm having a franchise. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the Washington Capitals beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-3 to three as the Sabres kind of return to form, right? What did they start off as, like 3-0? Uh, they had I think it was 3-0. and check right now. And, I mean, now they're at 5-5-2, five, five, and two, which is still respectable for Buffalo. We've talked about that on the show as well, you know, the idea of, like, okay, here are these, you know, really bad teams from last season. And outside of the Arizona Coyotes... All of these guys are kind of proving to, you know, or all of these teams, I should say, are kind of proving to be tough outs. Like, you know, Ottawa. Uh, Not that they were horrible last year, but uh, Anaheim as well. Buffalo, like, they're proving to at least put up a good fight. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Ovi scored his 11th goal of the year. The man is 36 years old. It is ridiculous. Uh, Tom Wilson also got his second and third goals of the year. So, hey, for Buffalo, again, I think Sabres fans, you know, I think they kind of knew, like, hey, enjoy the ride for the hot start of the season. Uh, but Ovi getting his 11th goal. If you had to guess right now, Endo, on how many goals Alex Ovechkin is going to score this season, what would you like? What's the low end and what's the high end? Keep in mind, he has 11 goals in 12 games. 12 games? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I would um, say, because uh, he's got like thir- yeah. 30 minimum, 30 right? 30 minimum. Um, I would say 50, high end 55. High end 55. I know, like, he's going to slow down eventually because he gets to that hot start, uh, like he has uh, historically. And I think he's going to go 30 minimum, 55 max. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I mean, man, it might even be forty minimum for mm-hmm. him, which is just ridiculous. He also hit six hundred career assists as well, so it's not that it's like, oh, he's only a goal scorer. Like <laughs> Alex Ovechkin is so damn good, man. Are we, we are. <laughs> are we gonna talk about um, Brett Hall's son and how he got mad at? Uh, apparently, he I think it was his son. He got mad that uh, Ovi was gonna pass him, his dad in the, in the record, and then like everyone got mad at him on Twitter. <laughs> I can't say that I saw that, but I mean, how old? How old though? <laughs> how old is his son? I can't even remember. Oh God! Like if his son's like a teenager, you can excuse it. But it's like if his son is like, you know, your age or even my age, then it's like, all right, that's okay. That's that's a bit questionable. So I have it right here. The son of Brett Hall took the Twitter Monday night to show his disapproval of Alex Ovechkin's 741st career NHL goal, the goal that tied his father for fourth in the NHL's all-time goal list. Jude Hall, 27, gave three <laughs> dumb, three dumb, <laughs> three thumbs down to a video of Ovechkin's <laughs> milestone Italian goal. <laughs> oh come on, man! And then he, then he, he says. He's <laughs> He's 27. He's literally my age. Like, I get it. I get it to be like, oh, man, I love my dad. My dad did great. But my dad. But, like, man, you're 27 and you're kind of throwing a bit of a hissy fit on Twitter because Alex Ovechkin has scored more goals than your dad. And then someone says, thanks to Obi, we found out that Hull has a son. (laughs) (laughs) You know what this this tweet reminds me. This whole week has been absolutely chaotic, uh, in terms oh of God. your hockey take on the McDavid goal. Uh uh-huh. Then it was Cole Caulfield's dad getting pissed off that Utica basically called him called his son out, and then now this. Mm. <laughs> it's such a weird week in hockey Twitter and hockey everywhere. <sighs> Shout out to Jude Hull who uh, played goalie in NCAA Division Three for Saint Olaf College. What a name. At five foot ten, so I can see why you were. Well, I mean, you know, not everybody can be UC Saros, right? Uh, uh, five foot ten and making it work. Five foot ten. I didn't know they stack shit that high. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Jeez. I, I, I had to. I just look at his back. It's like I guess in Russia you aren't supposed to support your father and be disappointed when his all-time achievement is tied to surpassed. Am I understand this correctly? Oh, Here's the thing. Your your father is a great player and a great person. Uh, as we saw when the when the Blues won the cup and him, him went he went nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But you, oh, you, dude. Yeah, you don't understand. People, people talk about like people talk about like oh man, how just Ovi was just gone, swimming in <laughs> fountains, like he was just loaded the entire time. Brett Hull gave him a run for his money. Like if you if you look at like the age difference, it pretty much equates to Ovi swimming in a fountain versus just how gone Brett Hull was during the Blues celebrations. It it pretty much evened out. But man, <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> you know what this just reminded me of? Um, him rubbing his nips. <laughs> Brett Hall rubbing his nips. It's like, yeah, I did this. Did, did you really? Oh my god. Someone got a tattoo uh. of that, like, if it's that they made him, like, ripped and shirtless as rubbing his nips. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so great. Oh man. Oh, Jesus. This is great. Great podcast. God bless Brett Hall. This, yeah, this is great. God damn. Oh my God. I just found it. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to put that up on Twitter. And put it on screen. <laughs> and put that uh, on screen. Don't worry, everybody. I'll, I'll tweet it out. If you're hearing this show, you can go to my Twitter and, uh, and find this. This is incredible. Just post it with no context. Just, just that. Oh my God. <laughs> Hashtag Tukey Snake Podcast and just the, the nipple. Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, we'll move on because otherwise we're going to just sit here and laugh. Um, I don't know if you recall this game on Monday, but the Kings beat the Maple Leafs 5-1. to one. I don't want to. Trevor Moore scored because of course. Of course. Philip Deneau got a second and third. John Tavares scored a seventh. No no notes or is this just one of those throw it in the bin, I don't want to talk about it game. <sighs> Trevor Moore, of course. Lacking the stamina. Oh man, he was not lacking the stamina <laughs> when he scored that one. Um, whew, where, do I, where do I go to begin? I, I it's like I don't want to talk about it. But I think we should talk about it. The Leafs have this history of <coughs> excuse me, just burped and I kind of caught it. Um, they have this history of underperforming against low quality teams or teams that are not at the like that level in a way. Not, not to say that the mm. Kings are bad. Sorry, uh, Crash Andrews, uh, love you to death. But it's a it's a playoff team against a team that's basically running for like a like a top 10, top 15 pick. And mm. you, you I, I never understood why this franchise loves to play down to their opponent so much. When you play the sport of hockey at a professional level, you should be out there winning, trying to go every single game, trying your hardest, getting out there, pushing it to the limit, trying to set your personal best whenever you can. And for them to drop the ball as big as they did against the Kings... But then to make up for it, we'll talk about it later, but then to make up for it when they played their most recent game, it's like, mm. why? Every single time we have to talk about the Leafs, it's always, oh, they did really bad, but then they made up for it. Like, I'm tired of this song and dance. Change the track. Mm. Get rid of Hall Notes as the goal horn until you guys figure it out. <laughs> just, have, just have it be white noise. Have it be white noise for, like, a good fucking month or two until you guys deserve to have Hall Notes as your goal horn because it's, it's, get, it's getting on my nerves. You mean they're not making your dreams come they're true? They're making my dreams a ooh, fucking ooh, nightmare. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, the God, fans we, don't even I, like go off of that. Like the one thing that peeves me the most is that every like almost every other franchise, when their goal horn pops up, they interact with the song. Or they interact with whatsoever. Like, you know, like there's like the crowd chant and there's all that. It's it's a great song, but it's not a great goal song. Yeah, like when they say the first "you," we should be going to be like "you," like singing back to them because they're making the dreams come true, winning a fucking cup. Hire me, MLSE. Come on, I have big brains. Come on. 
<laughs> I yell about shit on Twitter. I have big brains. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it goes along the lines with what people, you know, criticize, uh, you know, those in attendance at Leaf Games being oh the more God. the more wealthy, subdued crowd. So, you know, people up in the uh, the top section might be chanting, but that's not where the microphones are. Yeah, sadly. So, oh, God. Tuesday, the Boston Bruins beat the Ottawa Senators 3-2. to two. Uh, Shout out to Zach Sanford and Nikita Zaitsev, who both scored. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. Recently benched but brought back and scores a goal. Nikita Zaitsev for the Senators. My God. Nikki Z. Uh, Marsh. God, Marshawn and Bergeron each scored their fifth of the year. Derek Forbert has two goals and sucks everywhere else so far. Um, dude, I don't know if you saw anything from this game. Physical and chippy as hell. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy nearly had a murder charge on his record because he sent the worst suicide pass of all time to Trent Frederick, who got absolutely murdered by Josh Brown. <laughs> I got to see this right now. Uh, yeah, uh, feel free to search that up. But Trent Frederick got absolutely crushed. Thankfully, uh, he didn't end up getting hurt, and I think he he fought later in the game, if I'm remembering that correctly. But God, yeah, just absolutely. Oh murdered. yeah, that's a that's that. <laughs> after that, you go to the room. I only see the end, like the broadcast angle right now. But you get hit like that, you're going to the room immediately. Holy. Yeah, it was oh. it was awful. I just saw the and head snap back too. Ugh. He ended up finishing the game, so I guess he was okay. But you never you never know with players where it's like, yeah, I'm okay. Like I said, I think the I think he fought after that. I hope it was before, but I think it was after. Uh, Trent Frederick is a madman. He's a force to be reckoned with. The update with the Ottawa Senators, though, after this is they already had a COVID outbreak prior to this game. They now have eight players who are in COVID protocol right now what? for the Ottawa Senators. Eight. It was the most recent tally. Uh, and apparently the word was with a lot of them, like, it, they're not asymptomatic. Like, there are players experiencing symptoms. Uh, it's it's a real bad situation over there at the moment. I mean, you're including guys like, uh, I think it was Alex Formanton, who's the most recent name on that list, and he's the guy that actually fought Trent Frederick in that game. So I don't know what the hell is going on with the Sens. Uh, hopefully, though, everyone ends up being all right, yeah. because, again, as much as people don't want to necessarily hear it or talk about it, we all know that this is still uh, very much a, a thing and a, a continued possibility. Uh, as, you know, life tries to return to some sense of normalcy, right? So hopefully everything's good with the sense. But yeah, eight players apparently was the most recent count for guys in COVID protocol. It's it's outrageous. Yeah, it's <clears throat> that makes me more concerned if, uh, about Ontario and how our uh, coverage for COVID is going because I know they recently just uh, they just announced that high like high frequency areas or whatever the proper term is, they are limiting... Uh, the opening up, like the reopening phase, they're pausing it for like a good like three weeks just to make sure everything's fine. And mm. I think that's the best thing to do. You have flu season coming around, uh, a lot of uh, negative, uh, false positives going around too as well. People are freaking out, and uh, yeah, that's I. My heart goes out to the sends who have to deal with that because it's not fun, especially if you're symptomatic. Whew, that's have a bucket 
Yeah, I mean, you don't really know how uh, it might affect some players and their ability to come back as well once they get the cleared uh, cleared call there. Um, we already, I think, mentioned the... Uh, did we mention the Kings already? I mean, we're going to mention... Yeah, we did mention the Kings, Kings and we're going to mention them again because they beat the Leafs. Uh, they also beat the Habs 3-2 to two in overtime on Tuesday, pushing the Habs to 3-10-1 on the season, which is shocking. Uh, shout out to the Habs who play Calgary tonight as well, and uh, we'll see how that goes for them. But I don't know how many people would have had Montreal as the second worst team in the league, only above the Arizona Coyotes as we approach, you know, the 15th game of the season. Like, it's they're worse than Chicago on points percentage, which... Is I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, in terms of the game, uh, for the Kings, you know, kind of surprising numbers like Alexia Falo, five goals, Kempe, sixth, and that was the overtime winner in the game. I don't know if you saw this highlight as well, but Jake Evans for the Habs did score uh, an awesome goal. I mean, he walked his way. Granted, it's it's by Tobias Bjornfot, you know, still a young you know, younger defender. I think he's 20 uh, in the league, but Jake Evans had a phenomenal goal for his second of the year. Um, and this was a physical game too, man. There were a couple of highlight reel goals, like Romanov absolutely destroyed Rasmus Kapari in the third period, and then somehow, like just this headline of Dustin Brown hits Nick Suzuki in overtime. How the hell did Dustin Brown find Nick Suzuki in open space? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not saying Dustin Brown is the slowest skater in the world, but he's like 35, 36 years old. And somehow find space or the timing to just light up Suzuki, I think, because he tried to cross the blue line or it was in the neutral zone. That had like I had to watch the play. I'm like, how Dustin Brown, overtime, three on three, how does that work? Uh, the one bit of good news for the Habs, obviously, and we, I think we kind of referenced this in the last show, uh, but Carey Price uh, is returning to the Habs. We don't yet know when he's going to play. He did release... A statement uh, essentially mentioning the uh, the mental health struggles that he had had, as well as uh, the substance abuse issues that he was undergoing, as well. And obviously, we hear like we you know there was no point in speculating. Oh, what's what's wrong with the guy? It's like hey, it's one of those things where you know whatever he's going through, you hope he you know ends up on the other side better for taking this decision to focus on him. Uh, and if he wants to talk about it in the future, he will. And as a result, he has, and I mean, again, for as much as I've, you know, kind of joked, of course, about Gary Price being a Bruins fan, as much as I've joked about Gary Price, it's never been anything overly personal, of course, like it's just been for essentially for the memes, as, as dumb as that sounds, but I am very, very happy to see that he is working his way back with the team, that he is doing much, much better because... It's one of those things, Endo, where, you know, hey, you know, talk about hockey culture. It's, oh, you're going to take time away? You're not allowed to take time away. You might lose your spot and all this shit and you're weak for taking time away. It's it's just another step, of course, in getting further away from that absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, there's not much to say. I'm glad that um, Carrie seems to be doing better and hopefully his return isn't like we said before, isn't forced out of anything or any tuition of having the team be in a spot and then him having feel like he has to come back out of the program to help clean up a mess as well because I could also do another thing is mental health as well. Um, I'm glad that he was able to get the support that he has 
because I'm pretty sure all of hockey was around him, helping him support him and making sure that he knew that he had the, the support and the care to go through what he had to do uh, to come back. And I, I want to say I don't think he's in any rush to come back. I wouldn't want to if I was in, if I was in his shoes. I wouldn't want to rush anything to come back when I when I would feel 100 percent, I would come back and I hope it goes that way and everything goes smoothly for him. Absolutely. Now, on the more humorous side of things with the Habs, at least that's how I view it. Um, and what I can only call helicopter dad, Paul Caulfield. It's it's a bit of an older story at this point, but the Utica Comets of the AHL put out a tweet basically saying in the middle of a game, wow, Cole Caulfield, he looks invisible out there for the Laval Rockets. And of course, Caulfield would end up being on the score sheet uh, not that long Afterwards, the AHL reprimanded the team, saying, oh, it's in poor taste, don't do that. And a lot of people are like, oh, come on, that's low-hanging fruit, what are you doing, yeah. be, be better. Which I don't necessarily disagree. But Cole himself said he didn't really give it any thought. He saw it and he's like, yeah, whatever. But Paul Caulfield, his father, uh, <laughs> has essentially taken it to a new level by being like, the team bullied my son. It's a, it's a tweet. Like, I just, like I said, I, I view this in two ways. It's a really dumb tweet. It's just too easy, and it's not even a good chirp. But on the flip side, if your son is saying, I don't view it as a big deal, and I just let it go, what is the what is the point of, of Paul Caulfield pulling a Paul Marner and essentially making it a bigger deal than, than what it is? I don't know. Some people might view it as, ah, it's just a dad defending, defending his kid, which probably, but... I don't know. Just the headline of tweet bullied my son. It's it's just it's just funny to me. I'm sorry, but it is. It's nothing against Cole Caulfield. It's not defending the dumb tweet, but they bullied my son on Twitter with a, with a horrible tweet. I don't know, man. It just didn't it just didn't line up for me. So, um, I want to comment on this is a lot of players nowadays in the and junior and everything they go through sensitivity training for dealing with social media and press and all that so when they see stuff like this someone like a lot of them are just like yeah whatever it's it's filth it's garbage i think these parents need to do the exact same thing uh when i had a little bit of a scuff with um uh it was a it was a league that was going on uh in the nhl community that was basically a scam it was like oh pay 50 dollars now for the promise of having a tournament in the future and then they went after my personal information and my instagram account i said you know what whatever i'm not going to interact with it my mother found out about that stuff and, and started replying to the, the messages on the instagram account <laughs> and i'm like mom you you know you don't need to pay this any mind and she's like well i gotta defend my honor my son i'm like i understand that but there are some things that are just you give it no mind you let them run their mouth and whatever because it's it's not worth it at the same time you could you can either look at something that happens uh, or someone says something to be online or just ignore it because you're not going to please everybody. You're going to say some things and you're going to do certain things that don't please everybody. And you're, if you hold that to you to your grave, you're going to live a miserable life. And if you just see it and go, oh, let it go or find humor in something, then to you. And you can probably enjoy it and not have to worry about that and can move on a little bit better. And I think parents are still kind of it's I think it's innate to protect your your youth, your 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 family, like a Dom Toretto, like the family. Like but 
I mean, I will say, like, I completely agree with what you said, and obviously the difference is it, it was coming from a, an actual team's Twitter account than just some random person watching the game. Yeah. So like I said, not defending the tweet, but I think you have a good point there, too, where it's like, okay, you know, hey, if your son is one of the most highly touted prospects in recent memory for the Montreal Canadiens, you probably should be prepared to potentially see some stuff on social media about your son that isn't going to make you feel very good. Yeah. Again, difference being it came from an AHL team's Twitter account. I, I can acknowledge yeah. that. But it's it's an interesting talking point, at least. Um, in terms of other games here, I'm going to kind of breeze this. When the Hurricanes beat the Lightning 2-1 in overtime, they're 10-1-0 are the Canes. Oh. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Funny you mentioned the Hurricanes, um, actually. I was going to say something about uh, uh, just Barry Cook and Yemi. When he was getting booed in the Habs like arena like that, Do you did his mm-hmm. parents go into Twitter and complain about that? No, they didn't give a fuck. They're like, oh. Not that we know Yeah, of. not that we know. They're probably like, oh, my little boy, I'm not going to go whine about it on social media. I don't know. It's, I've been I've been uh, in a really really heated mood with people whining about stuff on social media. So yeah, hockey hockey dad culture, hockey parent culture, as we've seen in a lot of different ways, go, can Paul. be uh, can be rather toxic. <laughs> Way to go, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big thing I wanted to mention actually, there's a couple of, of bigger things from Tuesday. Uh, the Devils beat the Panthers seven to three. So the Panthers are losing two straight regulation games. Uh, here, the Devils, in, in terms of stats, Andreas Janssen, fifth and sixth goal on the year. Pavel Zaka has six. P.K. Subban and Ty Smith each scored their first. For the Panthers, uh, Sam Bennett, his fifth goal, the uh, eighth goal of the year for Barkoff, but just a dominant win for the Devils. But I don't know if you saw this because it was on ESPN+, Plus. but I want your thoughts on the concept. Uh, ESPN+, ESPN Plus ran this... This two-and-a-half to three-minute segments called The Rush, which was essentially three minutes of, oh, my God, the Ottawa Senators have added a ninth player to COVID protocol. That coming from Chris Johnson, Nikita Zaitsev. That's The Rush? Is that the, the Canadian version? Holy shit. Well, no, sorry. Like, Twitter refreshed for me, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, nine players. Seriously, best wishes to the people in the Sens organization. Nikki Z got COVID-19. Oh my God! Jeez. Yeah, that's that's nuts. That's unfortunate. Um, to to that point. Sorry for completely <laughs> derailing that, but I had just seen that. Like, what the hell? Um, so they called it the rush. No commentary. Close in camera shots, so you could hear the audio and get like a better sense of the speed of the game. Like I said, I don't know if you would have seen this. It, it was up on Reddit as well for those uh, that might not have ESPN Plus. But so I have. Um, I yeah, I, have I a, thought it was awesome. Yeah. I have access to watching all games, no region lock or anything. So I, I saw it also on Twitter and everything. I think the cause yeah. of that was great because at right now I could not stand and I could not stand the commentary that they were doing for intermissions with ESPN plus. If they just had like, I don't know who, who they had on there, but it was just someone who didn't understand it. The pacing was just off. I don't know. I think the, the animations and the package they have is great. I think the rush is a great idea and a great concept, um, but uh, there are certain certain aspects of the ESPN package that I don't like, and I obviously it's going to improve over time and once they figure out a formula. But yeah, that's my opinion. I mean, yeah, I think some things with the ESPN, uh, something and TNT as well. Yeah. Some things hit or miss. I mean, they're still very early into this new deal. 
Um, again, looking at stats, I just can't believe. The the Red Wings beat the Oilers 4-3. to uh, Pugliarvi has 6, McDavid his ninth. That's not surprising. Moritz Sider his 2nd, Dylan Larkin his 4th. That's not surprising. Vladislav Nemesnikov, 6th and 7th goals on the year. Why, every time that I speculate somebody might be cooked, <laughs> they end up doing this. You're welcome, Red Wings fans. I mean, I, I pretty much said, like, he is in need of a big season. He is indeed in the middle of a very, very good season so far. I mean, seriously, seven goals for Vladislav Nemesnikov. I, I never would have guessed. I mean, you are... Actually, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it is up to seven goals now in the year. It's just, it's crazy, man. That's, that's all I got. It's it's crazy. I mean, granted, there are 23 players in the league that have at least seven goals. But looking at who also has seven goals on the year, Andrei Svechnikov, that's not surprising. Yeah. PLD, Alex DeBrinkett, William Nylander, Elias Lindholm, Zach Hyman, Brock Nelson, John Tavares, Jordan Everly, Stephen Stamkos, Alex Kalorn, Anze Kopitar. All those guys have seven goals. The rest are on eight or eight or above, and they're in the top ten. He has to be the most surprising name of of that list. It's just, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Again, I love following kind of the day by day to be like, okay, who's doing well? Nemesnikov scoring goals. He had eight goals in 53 games last year. He has seven in 14. It's ridiculous, and it's exactly what the Red Wings kind of needed was for somebody to step up. Yeah, they're getting a really, really hot. Like, I don't even think it's a hot start anymore. They're, they look like there could be a possible, like, squeaker team. Like we said before, like, uh, post, uh, post Matthews draft Maple Leafs. And it's kind of worrisome for other teams that are trying to squeak in, especially if you're the the Habs and their giant skid right now. It looks like you're you've gone from hey Stanley Cup finalist to uh, I'll put an asterisk on that because it was kind of Canadian division uh, in a way. Shots fired. Yeah, I I will do it. I you can fight me, <laughs> Hill. I'll, I'll I'll square up and fucking Scarborough Town Center. Oh God. Yeah, I mean you know there was a a, a tweet that was out like oh. There's an imposter among us because the top five in the Atlantic, Florida, Toronto, Detroit, and then Tampa and Boston. Mm-hmm. So how sustainable is it for the Red Wings? We'll find out, but yeah, interesting nonetheless. Uh, the Blues beat the Jets 3-2 in a shootout. I want to apologize to Alex, who of course was on this show uh, not all that long ago. Well, we didn't mention Joel Hofer in the, the last uh, episode, but did get a win for the Blues in his first uh, career start. Looked pretty good. Maybe the backup they need because Billy Huso sucks. Um <laughs> Kyle Connor, I can say I can I can still take shots at Billy Huso for not being very good. If I can't take shots at Carey Price because it would come off in bad faith based off of recent events, then Billy Huso is now in my sightlines. <laughs> uh, but I continue to update people on Kyle Connor. He is one of six players with at least actually one of seven players with at least nine goals on the year. I love me some Kyle Connor. Uh, the other guys, so like uh, the top scores in the NHL, right? It's Ovi with 11, Dreisaitl 10. That's not surprising. Yeah. McDavid has nine. That's not surprising. But then Kreider, Bertuzzi, Connor, and Troy Terry being the other guys with at least nine goals. I don't think anybody expected you know those guys to be there. Maybe Kyle Connor, but it just goes to show how crazy 
uh, you know, someone like Bertuzzi's been as well for the Detroit Red Wings so far this year. So I'm excited. Yeah, just to go back. Kyle Connors. Yeah, just to go back. Winning the Richard. Uh, with uh, Billy Huso. I swear, like, behind one of those jerseys, you have a list of goalies to rip on in case like in case of emergency where it's like yeah. it's like carry <laughs> price plan. really who so and then at the bottom it's just like in big highlighter it's just like jordan bennington at any given moment or something <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i'm still surprised the blues are rolling with the backup goalie who has 18 career games and a 901 save percentage that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying um, yeah, so the Blues ended up beating the Jets. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-2 to in a shootout. Seth Jones, first goal of the year. $9.5 million for Seth Jones starting next year. <laughs> but he's finally on the board, baby. Uh, and Jeff Carter scored his second and third of the year as well for Pittsburgh in the loss. Uh, I would have loved to have had Sin's opinion on this. The Sharks beat the Flames 4-1. Uh, former Leaf Barabanov, his first goal of the year. Congrats. I always have to mention former Leafs. Uh, but like Logan Couture, five goals. Hurdle, six. Jonathan Dolan, six goals, which I know kind of stings some uh, some Canucks fans there that they let go of that kid and he's finally catching on. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane has eight goals as well uh, for Calgary. Uh, the most notable thing about this game, though, Aiden Hill with two assists in this game giving him more points than a lot of notable people, including, uh, dare I say, the Rangers prospects uh, that we, we talked about in the, the last show. It's, um, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But Aiden Hill with two assists in that particular game, which is hilarious, uh, to me, at the very least, maybe not to everybody. It's hilarious to me, Endo. I, 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 yeah, I think it's funny. I'm actually looking at the stats right now uh, for when the last time that a goalie had not just one assist, but like two assists, and he almost had a third assist on the empty netter. And that is mm. ridiculous, Raiden Hill. That is, that's a goalie's dream right there to get a point out there. And I think it's really funny that. <laughs> Your goal, some some goalies like back in the day would outscore uh, teammates, and I feel like we're getting some goalies are still getting back to that like kind of era era if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really weird when you look at the the metrics and all that. So I had to sit here and look at some of the more interesting names, uh, in 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 which Aiden Hill has more points than Callie Arncroke. He's got more points than Callie Arncroke wow. out in. Uh, out in Seattle, he has uh, more points than Capo Caco on the season. Uh, Pat Maroon, he's got more points than Eric Halla on the Bruins, which doesn't make me laugh. Um, what happened to Yoel Armia? One point in 14 games Damn. for the playoff hero there. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous how uh, many uh, people have had uh, that slow of a start. But yeah, Aiden Hill with two assists. And then we get to uh, this game as well, which there's there's a lot to talk about because we kind of tacked on, I'd say, the biggest talking point from the week into uh, this particular game to bring it up in a more uh, appropriate time. But the Anaheim Ducks beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 in overtime, and Canucks fans are already punching the air in, in just pure anger, and perhaps rightfully so. 
Uh, Troy Terry scored his ninth of the year for the OT winner because he's ungodly. Uh, JT Miller scored his sixth of the year. Patterson is third, so Patterson's waking up. But officiating was the was the name of the game. Uh, particularly horrible officiating was the name of the game with this particular game. And uh, there was the Yaroslav Halak tripping penalty. Oh, yeah, I saw that. For extending his leg. In fairness, you look in the moment, it did look like he got a piece of Getzlaff's skate. He did not, and Getzlaff ended up toe-picking, and it drew a call. Obviously, the call itself was wrong. There was no contact. But the idea of, oh, a goalie kicks his leg. Like, basically, where do you where do you fall on that side of the argument, I guess, uh, as someone who plays goalie himself? Goaltenders and tripping calls, if a goalie's kicking his leg out to make a save, but his leg's outside of the crease, like, how do you feel about goaltenders getting tripping calls if they're trying to make a save? If they're trying to make a save, I feel like, uh, obviously, like, context and situation matters. I watched the play over. I think that's not a call. I don't think it's a call at all. Um, stuff where it's kind of murky water is if the puck's nowhere near the play and the guy and the goalie tries to trip the guy or like deliberately or tries to hide it, then that's definitely a call. But I think um, when you went over to make the save uh, and just kind of stay in position, I don't think that should have been a call at all. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I think maybe you know if you start talking about like you know goalies using the stick to poke check and they miss. Mm-hmm. And there's a trip there. I think there's more of a, an argument there, but it's definitely more of a an interesting kind of debate. But definitely the wrong call in that instance. And then there was the awful, there was the awful, awful line change for the Ducks in OT, where they had about six players on the ice for what was supposed to be three on three. Went uncalled, and the Ducks win it. So Canucks fans, uh, not happy. I'd say rightfully so. Um you know, officiating being what it is, you know, did they get jobbed in that particular game? Eh, I think, I think, I think you could say that. Uh, but is anybody surprised at uh, such poor officiating? I would say hopefully not, because this is the standard. Yeah, that's the National Hockey League right now. The refs right now are not the greatest. And it seems like they're in uh, postseason form where it's just anything goes to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, So that brings us into the more interesting kind of talking point here uh, surrounding the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, And it brings us to Bob Murray. So Emily Kaplan uh, mentioned this on Twitter. The NHL sent a memo after Blackhawks case and basically told teams, if you know of any abuse, you must report it. Sounds like that led to some in the Ducks organization to question Bob Murray's behavior. Some allegations may be years old, but people feel more empowered to speak up now. So thank you, Kyle Beach, uh, Rick Westhead, uh, Katie Strang, and others for, uh, again, if you want to see the immediate aftermath and the ripple effect that the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach story is having, This is an example of that. Um, So Bob Murray was originally placed on administrative leave. Frank Saravalli mentioned this. Ducks GM Bob Murray placed on leave for, quote, mental warfare, uh, verbal abuse. The next day, he then resigned as Ducks GM uh, after an investigation into professional conduct. And it has been stated that he will be entering a program for alcohol abuse after holding his job since 2008. Now, this uh, was mentioned here by the Ducks. 
Uh, first and foremost, we apologize on behalf of the organization, anyone affected by the misconduct from Bob, Ducks owners Henry and Susan, I think it's Samuelie, Samuelie. I think it's Samuel Lee, uh, said in a statement, uh, we expect every member of our organization to be treated with respect and will not stand for abuse of any kind. While we do not condone his conduct, we fully support his efforts to improve his physical and mental health by asking for help. Jeff Solomon will be their interim GM. So, first, fir first things first. I agree completely with what they mentioned, the, the owners of the Ducks, that is. I completely agree with what they mentioned in their statement, right? You could question how much was known. I think there was a there was a tweet out there, and I don't want to say for sure. I'm pretty sure I know who it was from, but I don't want to say for sure in case I uh, am I'm wrong on this, but essentially stating that, boy, there doesn't seem to be a lack of surprise that this happened. So you could potentially question how much of, of Bob Murray's prior actions uh, were known. But at the very least, you know, if we're not going down that route and you look at just what the ownership stated here, we don't condone his conduct, but we support his efforts to improve. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the situation. You know, any form of alcohol abuse or whatever it is, uh, it was alcohol abuse, it doesn't excuse his actions. But on the flip side, it's, hey... At least own up to your actions, which he appears to be doing, and the Ducks appear to be doing. But at the same side, I'm not going to say, and I hope you don't get well. Like, obviously, hopefully he's able to figure this out uh, and get himself back on the right track. But again, it doesn't let him off the hook uh, for anything that he may have done. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I feel like um, he does. If he, I feel like he should get the help that he deserves. Uh, I'm glad that he, he, was, he was open to getting it done. I guess after being put on leave, uh, hopefully it was by his own choice. Um, it says it right here as I read for it. Should be putting a life of better family and friends. Okay, then it was on his own behalf of getting his life back together. Um, I I still think it's unfortunate that we had to have a situation happen in the NHL to make this stuff happen and how it couldn't have been brought up on its own because right now. It just seems like the NHL is just trying to do damage control and clean house as much as they can to make themselves look better for advertisers and for anyone else. Because I know there, there's probably some advertisers who are pulling out, and that's that's honestly deserved because some of the stuff that the NHL has done uh, in terms of handling everything has not been the greatest. And I know mm. Batman's job is basically, I would assume his job is on the line considering how he did, how he treated everything, and how he said certain things as of late, certain decisions that we might get into later, and how it's been piss poor, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, he kind of mentioned his, uh, his statement there. He did say, I want to apologize to anyone adversely affected by my behavior. I vow to make changes with my life, starting by enrolling in a treatment program. Then thanks, ownership, and such. Uh, as I step away from the Ducks, I will focus my attention on where it should be, improving my life. For the betterment of my family and friends. So we'll see what happens here. I mean, obviously, in terms of anything that was thrown out there in regards to uh, accusations or any actions that he might have uh, partaken in, you know, uh, opinions can certainly worsen, uh, you know, in, in his direction. You know, we don't know for sure the full scope of what he, uh, you know, uh, of his actions and what he potentially did. Um, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, for now, we can only 
look into the situation as it is. It's very similar uh, to the Kevin Sheveldayoff situation where, hey, that, that's called being an adult, right? Like, but Kevin Sheveldayoff, those initial reports, it's, oh, man, this guy is, you know, throw him into a pit as well. But then you get more information on the story, and it's like, you have two options. You can sit there and double down because it's the popular thing to do, or you can sit there and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we didn't have a full read on the situation. Let's reassess our opinions here. So it'll be the same thing here with Bob Murray. For now, it's, hey, hopefully, uh, whoever he negatively affected is doing okay. It looks like this is the right move to get him the hell out of there anyway. And hopefully, he is able, um, you know, to kind of get his life back on track. I mean, if losing a job that you've had uh, for over a decade isn't enough of a wake-up call to show that, uh, yeah, you need to you need to change some things, buddy, then, yeah, you know. It's it's interesting, and I mean, and uh, like we we've seen it too, you know, um, in regards to other things as well. Like obviously, like I I mentioned Kyle Beach and how things are, are kind of playing out, and that whole situation too is still playing out, right? Like I mean, uh, you know, it was debatable as to whether or not it was even worth bringing up. But for example, I know a lot of people mentioned like, oh, are you going to mention because we we mentioned in the last show the 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 mother of John Doe too in that interview with Rick Westhead. Um, in regards to the idea or like the, the headline that was out there of like, oh, Blackhawks won't provide support, um, you know, for that particular victim, John Doe too. Um, obviously the issue there is if they did that, that would be an omission of guilt and any lawsuits that are currently out there <laughs> would be fucked on their behalf. So that's obviously why, like, it's a horrible headline, but with a lot of these situations, there's still so much to that, that has to play out. So obviously, you know different situations, but in terms of, hey, as this information comes out, like I said, it's, you take the information as you get it, and I don't really necessarily believe in, in doubling down, unless, you know, people are calling out my accurate take on a Conor McDavid goal. Yeah, uh, I just want to say one thing, There's, there was an update <laughs> yesterday, uh, that the, the, it was not the, the Blackhawks, the NHL uh, will not cover costs of counseling and therapy for him and his family. Which I, again, I presume is in relation to the, I mean, there are lawsuits ongoing, yeah. right? So, I mean, if the NHL, if the NHL does it, then how does that affect the Blackhawks lawsuit? So I'm not kind of surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see things kind of change Yeah. Um, I, I in that so. regard. But for now, it's just, it's just another bad headline that they kind of have to wear. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Again, you know, there are some of those more negative topics that, hey, we'll continue to talk about. They're hockey topics. It's, you know, hey, as, as nice as it would be, of course, to just be like, hey, positivity all the time. That is not the world that we live in. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Seattle Kraken 4-2. Uh, Riley Smith, third and fourth goal of the year, so he's heating up a little bit. Jordan Everly scored his seventh. Again, glad I bought that Everly jersey. Uh, but there's two stories kind of out of this game that I think are worth talking about. First of all, for the Golden Knights, uh, Jack Eichel is going to have his artificial disc replacement surgery this Friday uh, in Colorado. He'll be in Denver for three weeks, and then we'll spend the majority of rehab time in Vegas. According to Greg Wyshynski, three months is still kind of the time frame that they're looking at. So obviously you factor in, okay, three months from now, what are we looking at? Does it work out to where, you know, maybe they make a move at the deadline to make sure that they're, you know, cap compliant? Or is it still for their best interest to just be like, all right, Jack, they're going to hold you out until the playoffs? Maybe depends on their uh, their situation 
in the standings at that point in time because Vegas isn't exactly off to a flying start either. I mean, again, 7-6-0 on the year, but I, I'm going to be intrigued because if there's anything we know about Vegas, it's that you cannot uh, predict what they are going to do three months from now. That is just not a thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've nicknamed them the Vegas High Rollers because they just love to roll the dice and just gas on stuff. Uh, this is definitely mm-hmm. one of the biggest risks um, already in franchise history. However, like that may seem to be like, oh, it's like the franchise has been over like four or five years now. But that's kind of this is a really big move with all, everything you've given up to get Jack Eichel. And if that surgery does not go well, yeah. Fingers crossed everything goes well and he stays perfectly fine. Uh, this is the first of its kind, obviously, to be done for a hockey player or well, a professional athlete in the NHL. And it's worked for other position, other sports, but I'm not sure if the biomechanics for it would line up as well because there's more, there's more things happening in hockey for your body than it would be for, say, football or anything else. Uh, it's just scientifically true. There's different things happening at once. You're... You're moving, you're moving different things in different ways, and it could affect him differently. Again, I, I really hope he goes fine and hope he recovers, but that also then puts out, like you said, if he comes back in postseason, that would he be cap compliant and everything? Because cap compliancy doesn't matter in the postseason, as we've learned with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. But do they <laughs> trade anything or do they just hold it out? I think they're going to hold out until like the last minute and then make a decision. So right now, I think they're they're fine with having that much available in their LTIR and there's a cap and all that. Because if you bring back Eichel and you bring everybody else, who's going to go? And then other teams are going to know you're in a cap situation. So they're not going to be, oh, yeah, we'll help you out real quick. No, you better fork over mm-hmm. some more picks and you don't really have a lot of picks left. So you're going to have to give up a lot more than what you bargained for, basically. So from talking about team number 31 to talking about team number 32, the Seattle Kraken and their goaltending. You know, they were looked at as a team that was, you know, built from the back out. You know, solid defense, solid goaltending. And you could say it's an overall issue uh, with the team in terms of maybe their overall team defense. But at the very least, we know in plain numbers, the goaltending has been outrageously bad. Yeah. Two games, or at least two appearances for Joey Decord. 8.55 save percentage. Two games for Chris Dreger, who just came back from injury. 8.33 save percentage. And that means Grubauer has played their other 10 games, and he has an 8.86. It is still relatively early in this season. Uh,. But my God, I mean, technically they've uh, yeah they've played 13 games here, so obviously you would have had a relief appearance for some of these goalies. But I mean, early on in the season or not, that is incredibly concerning, is it not? Especially uh, for one, Philip Grubauer, who was not supposed to be the guy in goal. It was supposed to be Drager and Vanacek, and then he became available, and they went for him. At five point nine million a season for five years after this, we'll see how this ages. But man, they currently have nine point four million against the cap in goaltending, and again, nobody has over an eight ninety save percentage so far in the year. Yeah, um, 
I want to talk mostly about um, Dreger's performance uh, in the last game. Hmm. He is a rebound machine. As in, he gives up so many rebounds. And I know I, I personally don't have the most amazing rebound control, but after I played two games yesterday with some really high-level talent, I was able to get rebounds down, so I'm like kind of high, like a high horse right now. <laughs> but it, it, I don't know what it was. Just nothing went right for him. Uh, there were there were a few good shots that went in, good like accurate shooting from the the Golden Knights. But it just seemed like whenever the Golden Knights had a chance or were able to execute, it was just clockwork, completely clockwork for them. Then obviously mm. them giving up, uh, getting a bunch of power play time did not help as well. And I think Chris Dreger needs to work on rebound skills because a lot of those stuff, it's like the second, third chance. But at the same time, is those second, third chances on you or is it on your defense? That's the that's the real question. That's been a debate for goaltenders and for defense as well. Where if you can stop one or two pucks, the third one is supposed to be your D-man. So as much as people want to blame the goaltender, I also say it's a it's a unit. Those th those three that are back there, they're supposed to be a team and a tandem, and they work one with one of each other. And when they're out of sync and they're out of loop, it's disaster for everybody. So we'll see. Uh, moving forward, then, I mean, again, a lot of... I mean, a lot of pressure on Seattle, a lot of questions surrounding uh, that team, Ron Francis's approach, obviously. I mean, they've it, they've been heavily scrutinized uh, for as long as they've uh, existed as a team, essentially. So, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes for them. Uh, and quickly, we'll move into Wednesday's games. Uh, the Leafs beat the Flyers 3 to nothing. The bounce back that Endo talked about, a shutout for Jack Campbell. Nylander with two goals, now up to 7 on the year and know any thoughts about the bounce back um thank you uh but i also want to say stop um my heart can only take so much and i'm pretty sure we just just i don't want to say just win because every team the whole point of it is just win unless you're like mm. <laughs> arizona where it's lose <laughs> oh we'll talk about them in a minute <laughs> to end the show we'll talk about them yeah i just I don't know. I'm just kind of tired uh, of lackluster performance against teams that don't deserve the win. Uh, but then they earn the win by basically outplaying a team that should be basically like a playoff contender. And I'm getting to the point where I'm just whenever a leave game comes on and against a lower lower opponent, I'm willing to bet on the other team. I'm willing to bet on the other guys, not my not my boys in blue. Fair enough. Uh, the Preds beat the Stars 4-2. to Shocking goal totals for me, at least. Ryan Johansson and Tanner Janot, who is in the rookie race, they each have five. Uh, Matt Duchesne has six goals. We'll continue to cover the Matt Duchesne uh, resurgence because he's been ridiculous so far this year for Nashville. Uh, for Dallas, I mean, they're 4-6-2 and two on the year, and I think what uh, what kind of sums up their struggles is that someone like Rupe Hintz has one goal. He scored his first goal of the year in their 12th game. Um, you know, we kind of talked about, like, oh, yeah, hey, recently in the past week, like, Jamie Benz finally figuring things out. Ryan Suter got his first goal for the team. So it's been a rough, rough go for Dallas. But it does bring us to kind of the main event of this episode. The Minnesota Wild beat the Arizona Coyotes 5-2. to The Coyotes now sitting at 1-11-1 on the year. Um, shout out to, uh, for Minnesota, Eric Sinek and uh, Marcus Foligno, their fifth goals of the year. Kevin Fiala scored his second of the year 
which was unreal. Um, again, the McDavid goal, expectations are so high, but the unbelievable hand-eye coordination of Fiala, just crazy. That's a backhand. Crazy, crazy goal. Backhand batter right there. Switch hitter. It's just, it's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Like, that's the only way I can explain it. And then, obviously, like, this was more of an indictment on the Arizona defense. Like, Kirill Kaprizov scored his third of the year. I don't know if you saw this goal. It was literally just yep. he and Zuccarello behind the goal line in each of the corners, just passing the puck back and forth, completely undefended, yep. and then Kaprizov just drives to the short side and scores. I believe that just was... Just yeah. horrific defense, dude. Yeah, so I believe they were on a five-on-three at the time, uh, as well as another goaltending aspect. Uh, so there's a there's a position in goaltending called the RVH, which is reverse uh, reverse uh, hor- vertical horizontal, where it's your pads mm-hmm. like your pads like this is like horizontal and one's up like that. You're on the post of, over, on your your left side. For our audio mm-hmm. listeners, so when the goalie's on the post and his le- uh, say he's on the left post and his left pad is flush with the ice and his right pad is upwards elevated off the ice, that's the RVH. When you're playing behind a net like that, the one thing you don't want to do uh, is put that down. And it's it's been a very big debate in goaltending whether or not the RVH is useful in situations where they're playing it back and forth like that. What I do personally is I'll do the old school way where I'll have my um, I'll have my pad on the uh, just standing up, but I'll be crouched over a little bit and I'll be leaning from one post to the other where it see fit so if he's on that side if he's on my right side i'll be on the post leaning on the post uh seeing where he's gonna pass it over and i know he's gonna that way i'm covered if he puts it upwards to the winger or if he brings it over back down to the other guy behind the net i think uh one issue there was obviously defense and it's a five on three so i guess they try to play like a trap style where they just box everybody out from the top uh, i think another issue was the goaltender i don't know who it was at the time i think it was a bad use of rvh in that situation which caused them to be a goal and because uh, he was too slow to get back over to the other side that's my goalie analysis of the day uh hopefully you learn a little bit more about goaltending and how that was more system failure rather than just uh one bad play from the defense fair enough i i like it we have sins impressions and we have endo's goaltending takes there you go um <laughs> For Arizona, Shane Gostisbehere scored his second of the year. The Coyotes have scored 19 goals, and Gostisbehere has been involved in 11 of them. He has 11 points in 13 games. Again, they got him for absolutely nothing from Philadelphia, which I still don't really understand the Flyers' logic there of get rid of Ghost, bring in Risto. I don't get it. I just don't. I, it's it's like they made up their mind that this is Shane Gostisbehere's level, and it's like you... You undervalued him by a lot, from my outside perspective at least. But to end today's show, we have this headline. The Arizona Coyotes are now on pace to have the worst season in NHL history. Yeah, let let that let that um let that let that settle in, right? Because my God. Now the worst season. In NHL history, it does belong to the 1975 Washington Capitals, who finished with a record of 8-67-5. Second worst, technically, uh, I mean, really, it was both of these teams. Technically, San Jose was worse, but the 93 Sharks and Sens. Sharks at 11-71-2, the Sens at 10-70-4. I mean... 
how how bad is this going to be for Arizona? Again, on pace to finish with less than eight wins. I can't imagine they're going to be that bad. I can't imagine that they don't bounce back to at least win fifteen to twenty games. Yeah, if you but then again, yeah, you don't win fifteen to twenty. I'm I would be looking at management and saying, I get, I get it. It's a tank, but you need to put seats in there. You need to put seats in that building and have people there. You have an issue with attendance and having a place to play, and now you're going. Your team's going to go out and put up the worst season in NHL history. But then you're going to talk about how you're going to get Shane Wright, and he's going to fix it. The problem by having a uh, a generational talent and Shane Wright over there. It's not going to solve the issue. You can't mm. base your whole entire team off of one guy. And if we have evidence of that, we have the Edmonds. So the two most recent worst seasons, right? You have the Buffalo Sabres of 2014. That was the year that they really tanked hard for Jack Eichel yep. and uh, obviously more so than wanted Connor McDavid. They won 21 games that year. But the team that was worse in recent memory, the 2020 Detroit Red Wings only won 17 games. So I said I can't imagine the Coyotes not bouncing back to win at least 15 to 20 games. The 2020 Red Wings only won 17. In so, a shortened season, too. Uh, yeah, so they were 17, 49, and 5 uh, was their, their final record there. So that was a 71-game season. Yeah. So even then, Detroit probably would have hit at least 20 wins, yeah. theoretically. So... I don't know, like how bad, how bad is this going to be for Arizona? Do you have them more in a? Well, we'll have three different kind of parameters: less than ten wins, ten to fifteen, fifteen to twenty. Can I? Where do you have? Can them? I give you a fourth one and quote Red Letter Media and be best, Five. Of, best of the worst? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think if they do pull it around, they do have Wedgwood now. So unless that was him in net, dear Lord. <laughs> Um, they have Wedgwood. They have Wedgwood. How bad that sounds for their hopes. The prophecy. Oh my God! We have Scott Wedgwood. Everything's gonna be okay. Wedgwood. Oh man. Oh man. I always laugh at his name because it's wood. It's a, it's a euphemism. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. This is how bad it is yeah. for the Arizona Coyotes. Everybody. This is how bad it is. Expense. I want to know. I want to know from you that made it to the end of this show. Here again, a shorter show compared to what we've had recently. But hey, there's only two voices instead of three this time out. How many wins did the Coyotes finish with? Less than 10, 10 to 15, or 15 to 20? Maybe 20 or more. Maybe some people are really optimistic that they're going to turn it around. But again, with that, that'll bring us to a close here on this shorter show. Again, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Sin will be... Uh, Feeling a little bit better and ready to go on Monday's edition of the show. Of course, you can catch Sin uh, pretty much everywhere at Sin FTW Productions or Sin FTW Prod on Twitter. Again, C Y N for him. Endo, have you have you prepared? Have you prepared for plugging your own personal stuff? Let's let's hear it. I want to hear the the Endo. Uh, the 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 endo delivery of all deliveries here. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitch, YouTube, 
uh, Twitter, at uh, Endo Mills. You can also find my merch. I just uploaded a brand new shirt that says, I like things, Endo Mills, Twitch streamer. Uh, at endomills.ca, uh, you can grab some other merch, including the Clout Chaser merch, which is going to be taken off of uh, for a while. I believe the era of Clout Chasing is over, sadly. Uh, hmm. Yeah, so you can find me there uh, at endomills on all my socials and endomills.ca for some pretty sweet merch. There you go. And, of course, I am everywhere at Tuki24, Twitter, Twitch, wherever. Big thank you to Manscaped, of course. Again, code Tugi at checkout there. 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. And again, check out Franchise Hockey Manager 8 on PC, OOTPdevelopments.com. Tugi24, FHM8, your discount code there for 10% off. A great game that I highly recommend you all check out. We'll be back Monday. We hope to see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.